friends, countrymen, lovers of all things design. This is Grits and Grids. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Today I'm talking with Eli Altman, who's the creative director of 100 Monkeys, uh, a naming and, and uh, brand kind of development firm. Eli, instead of trying to, instead of botching this completely, I'll let you tell everyone what you are, what you do, and what your passion is. <laughs> thanks. Um, my name is Eli. I am human. Um, I think that covers the what I am bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in terms of what we do, yeah, I'm the creative director at 100 Monkeys. Um, we're primarily a naming firm, uh, meaning we specialize in naming uh, companies, products, product portfolios, restaurants, services, all sorts of stuff. Nice, nice. So you say you're human, but I think if you're doing naming, that maybe you're kind of also not human because it is hard. And I think it's something that's being brought up over and over again um, out there. And I'm seeing a huge influx of it, of it into a vigor. So I can only assume that you guys are inundated. How do you – have you seen that? Have you seen it explode like the way I have? Um, I mean there's certain factors that just kind of like uh, drive people towards naming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I think the main one is really people attempting to do it on their own and running into a lot of difficulty either in finding stuff that they love and then figuring out it's not available um, or going even further down that path and starting a company with a name and then getting a nice legal letter in the mail. Um, (laughs) So uh, I think, you know, it's uh, for a while, I think it was driven by URL scarcity primarily that a lot of people just had trouble finding like the .com they were looking for. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, actually tapered off a bit. I mean, I think younger audiences tend to understand, you know, what URL scarcity looks like and that just because a company uses a, you know, alternate TLD dot me or, you know, Mm -hmm. is a prefix or a suffix in a URL that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, uh, it's just like some kid in their parents' basement. Right. Which it very well may be still, but, you know, at least looks legitimate. Yeah, we don't want to rule that out. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny. I was just listening to another podcast. Um, believe it or not, I don't listen to my own uh, exclusively. But um, and they were talking about like there's a certain amount of um, responsibility on designers and us folks in the service industry in, in general, in this service industry, I should say, um, uh, of being ethical. And I don't think I've actually really heard it put this way before. Like when we talk about ethics, it's usually about um, – you know, like, do you really want to be working for a cigarette company? Is that really ethical and um, that kind of stuff? But in this context, it was more like we sort of have a responsibility to vet our clients and make sure that they really are legitimate because of what we do. Now, of course, I'm on the design side as well, but I think even from naming, it's like creating legitimacy when there's actually no legitimacy is kind of unethical. Um and I know I didn't, you know, prepare you for that question because it's very timely, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about. Like, you know, we, we do a lot to make these companies seem more legitimate than maybe they really are. Uh, have you ever, like, come across that? Have you ever, like, had that feeling? Um, 
I think <laughs> in general being in the creation, you know, side of things, right? Whether we're creating brands, doing various elements of those projects, be it naming, design, branding, messaging, um, you know, all these things. Um, you know, I think you could look at that in terms of like lending authenticity or, or sort of, you know, um, making someone feel legitimate, but mm -hmm. there's also just the element of, of like creation. Um, and you're, you're kind of like giving something a pulse or making it feel alive. Um, you know, one thing that we always talk about here is that, you know, names and brands are very much living things. Um, yep. A lot of people like to have this idea that like, well, you know, you just come up with the perfect name and then you come up with the perfect logo, then you're set for life. You know, like <laughs> you're never yeah. going to change that stuff. It's going to be great forever. Um, and, you know, in reality, that's not the case at all. Um, you know, we have a lot of clients come to us who kind of need to rebrand because either their business is heading in a different direction, um, you know, or... Uh, you know, like they're pivoting or something bad happened and they need to do something else. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's very much the case that like, you know, people have ongoing relationships with brands and with names and that those relationships can change like in, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, while we are creating and there is certainly a responsibility associated with that, that you don't want to, you know, take on projects that don't, you know, feel right to you, which is something that we absolutely do. Um, but you know, even if we do work with a company that is, you know, feels like they're cool people and everything's above board, um, you know, who's to say that that doesn't change in, you know, two years, five years. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. I mean, especially when you start to consider that not only does the brand and company itself change, but like you just mentioned, the, the relationship with that brand and company changes from the stakeholders on the inside, the people on the outside, and the world in general. Right. Um, and I think that's something that's often forgotten. Um, so naming, I think a lot of people, when you say like, oh, you know, I do naming or that's a service we offer, I know we get a lot where it's like, oh, okay, we'll just come up with a couple options and throw them our way. And we're like, <laughs> it's just not that easy. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you attempted to maybe tackle that a little bit, but also lend a helping hand uh, with the book that you wrote uh, called Don't Call It That, which I love that. And um, I actually use that one-liner a lot. Um how how close though to an actual project does that book follow? Um, <laughs> there's at least for me, there's a very clear division. Um, you know, which is that don't call it that is written to help people who are attempting to name things that they're working on, either themselves or you know, if, if you are. Uh, a designer consultant you're working with maybe one to two people um then I, I think it's a good resource in that scenario it's not a good resource really um to be quite honest when we're talking about dealing with um you know any situation that's like bureaucratic um dealing with oh yeah large companies um helping to kind of um, get the right people in the room, make decisions affecting the direction of a company. I mean, and these are things that we, we deal with and, and work with our clients on every day. 
Um, and you know, I just find that when, when you are doing creative work, naming specifically for, you know, for me, um, that, uh, a lot of it is kind of more psychology, um, and, mm -hmm. and handholding and helping people feel comfortable with big decisions, um, that feel, you know, either really binary or, um, just kind of get a bunch of, um, importance built into them. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, with regard to the book specifically, it's like, I, I really don't address any of that. Um, and I just try to sort of stay maybe closer to what the creative challenges are, um, and helping a lot of people because, you know, look, we, mm -hmm. we get a lot of people emailing us every day who, you know, want our help with naming and we, you know, are thankful enough to be in that position and can't help everyone that, uh, right. you know, shows up at the door. So I really just wanted to create a resource um, to help people who are kind of uh, going at it alone. Yeah, and I think it's perfect for that. Um, it's very didactic. It's very easy. Uh, big words on small pages. So, you know, even if you're hard of uh, hard of seeing, you should be able to follow it. Um, I, you know, actually, actually, I love the book and I've, I've purchased and given it away a few times. Um, so I think, you know, you mentioned the bureaucracy of everything and, and, and how dealing with um, many different personalities in the same room or got even worse where there's personalities in your immediate room, but then they have to take the work and show it to personalities in another room that haven't been a part of the process, which is always a nightmare. Um, I know one thing that we come across a lot, maybe it's because we just were so um, laser focused on food, beverage and, and hospitality, but <clears throat> I'm sure you see in other industries, but there's the feedback when we, when we think we're about to like wow the room with this amazing, brilliant thoughts and, uh, and we get the feedback that, well, that doesn't sound like a restaurant brand. Right. Um, have you come across that kind of feedback? And, and how do you combat that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's really just a, a factor having to do with differentiation. Um, mm -hmm. That a lot of people can understand the value of differentiation um, and know that, well, okay, if all the other people in this space, if all the other restaurants in this area look and sound and feel like this, um, then I want to do something different. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's one of these things that I think when you, when you talk about it as a concept, people get it pretty easily. That makes sense, mm -hmm. right? What, why they should want to go to my restaurant instead of those other ones. Um, but in practice, it ends up being a lot more difficult. Um, you know, it's a bit like, because I, I think really it just comes down to like a lot of people just really want to belong. Um, mm -hmm. it's something a lot more deep seated than just dealing with branding um, that, you know, you see all these cool restaurants and you say, well, I want to be one of those cool restaurants. Um, and to do that, I think I need to look and sound like those other cool restaurants. Um, but mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're obviously talking about blank and blank, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Currently. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and so you know, it's, it's something that we have to figure out a lot is like a lot of people say they want to be different, but then you dig into it and a lot of times they don't. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, we just try to walk people through that and, you know, hold hands, like we were saying before, right. And, and get people mm -hmm. to a place where they kind of can really see the value in, in looking and sounding different, um, and feel confident enough to move forward with that. Yeah. Cause there's a certain amount of, um, you know, the, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, which is the nice, nice way of saying it. But there, there's the, uh, a similar adage of 
uh, I'm going to botch this completely. Something about the nail that sticks up is the one that gets hammered first. Um, or something to that effect. And so I think you're right. Like people just want to belong. It's just such a bummer because outwardly they'll say how different they are. But then when you sit down with them, you're like, you know, they'll go right into the emotions of sounding like everyone else. You have a one liner right across your, uh, the homepage of your website, a hundred monkeys.com all spelled out. Please go there. Um, <clears throat> that use your name to fit in and you'll spend your marketing budget trying to stand out. Yeah. And I think it's like so brilliant because it's easy and that's exactly it, right? I mean, you're going to spend all this money on developing a name, developing a brand, and you're just pegging it and hitching it onto the same trailer that's out there. And then you get into business and you're wondering why you don't look different or why people aren't paying attention. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I just work it as. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, a lot of people come to us and, you know, are trying to do that, right? Trying to get people like through their door. Um, and you know, our door at hundred monkeys, the only thing it says on a, you know, big black iron door is a hundred monkeys. And, mm -hmm. uh, we get people like knocking on our door and opening our door all the time just to see what happens behind a door that says a hundred monkeys. Um, do you think they're actually looking for monkeys? <laughs> um, I've heard that before, but I think those are just kind of like friendly conversation starters. Um, in it's going to be a real bummer if somebody actually really needs a monkey and they think you're their last hope and they open the door and see that there's not monkeys there. Yeah, well, California has like really strict pet laws. Um, so <laughs> monkeys are like mostly off the table. Um, although my dad apparently had one in college for a period of time, but... Uh, he called. He called it a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's such a dad joke. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> um, so with that, like now that we're talking about the name, I think that some of us kind of understand the origins. Um, those who maybe can't stop reading, like myself, um, like when I saw your name, I smirked. I'm like, ah, I love it. Um, what What is the the quick thirty to forty five second, you know, origin story of the name 100 Monkeys? Oh, uh, if you put a hundred monkeys at a hundred typewriters, eventually you'll get a sonnet of Shakespearean quality. Um, and, uh, it's just this idea that, you know, we need to come up with a lot of stuff to get to something that, that feels good and, mm. and sounds good. Um, you know, for every set of names we present to a client, there's probably, you know, six, seven, eight fold more names behind that that didn't get presented or got ruled out for you know, trademark or cultural screening or like any number of those, um, things we, we look out for. Um, so yeah, like if you remember the Simpsons episode where, where Mr. Burns has like a newsroom full of, uh, monkeys, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like that. So, so it, it doesn't have to do with the hundredth monkey effect. <laughs> no, um, it doesn't. Crazy. Okay. I thought that's what it was from. Yeah. And we, you know, we have, have that book in the office. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of interesting parallels in terms of like, uh, behavior and, uh, adaption, like, uh, adoption and all these things. Um, but no, for us, it's, it's, uh, the, the Shakespearean reference. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think it works both ways. And in my mind, I was like, you know, they're, they're the challengers of convention or the ones that are gonna, you know, <clears throat> be that crazy hundredth monkey or whatever, or, or try to start a new behavior. Right. Um, hey, you know what? Like, that's the cool thing about a good name is I think it, it allows itself to be interpreted by the um, experiencer, which yeah. is now a word. I don't know. Um, 
you know, so like, you know, you may have all the intentions for this to mean one thing, but I read it and kind of created my own meaning. Um, I think that's what you were kind of getting at, that brands have a life of their own and they're also kind of an empty vessel. Um, so in, in your opinion, what what is the hardest part about naming a company? And, and sub question, yeah. what do you think the hardest industry and sector to name is? Okay. Um, so... The hardest part about naming a company is really dealing with the human dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's about getting people to agree and it's about getting them to agree on something very small and specific and prominent. Um, and, you know, most people are used to like naming their their pets and kids and stuff. And, and that's very much a personal preference game. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you're naming a company or a product, um, it, it's not really about you. I mean, it might be to a degree, but it really should be about the conversation you're trying to have with your audience. Um, and that's something that, you know, some people fundamentally get, um, and other people mm-hmm. really don't. Um, and so in those situations, uh, especially when you're dealing with kind of large groups or like you're saying where the decision maker, like may not even be in the room, um, you know, getting that across is, is extremely difficult. Um, mm-hmm. It requires a lot of persistence and a lot of, you know, forcing and attempting to get yourself into that room. Um, you know, with regard to industry, um, you know, I, I think the hardest industries to me are the ones where people clearly understand the value of brand and have for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the beverage industry, I think, like wine, beer, um, industries like that, I, I think tend to be the most difficult because there is a ton of good creative stuff out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, moving into industries that are kind of like more corporate or tech or like things that, um, you know, where there's sure there's still a lot of competition, but um, from a naming perspective, I, Oftentimes, I don't really see those situations as being particularly competitive. Like, I still see mm-hmm. it as very easy to stand out um, in, you know, in tech or, uh, or wherever. Um, but, you know, specifically, like, you know, we've done some projects in, in wine and beer. Um, and it's, it's fun because there's, like, there's an absolute openness, right? You feel like from the jump you can get away with almost anything. Um, which is cool. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, we, we certainly embrace that opportunity and don't, don't really have a, a tremendously difficult time finding something that's, um, like that's available or like trademarkable or something like that. It's just that mm-hmm. there's a ton of creative stuff out there. You're, you're competing with people who know what they're doing, who have kind of cool, interesting brands. Um, and, uh, figuring out how to stand out in that situation is a lot more difficult than figuring out how to stand out, you know, amongst a bunch of, um, you know, apps or, or, you know, hardware startups or whatever. Right. Right. Or whatever you may be doing like CPG and yeah. yeah. And I get that too. I think, I think craft, well, the world that that I specifically work in, the vigor team works in as well is, is one such world where my gosh, the names are, you, you again, you approach it like, wow, we could call this anything and it would work. And then you realize that anything is taken and so is call this. And so is every other word you just used. Um, 
and it becomes very tough to actually find a name that connects with your brand's purpose. Right. Um, and is legally ownable, you know, and isn't boring as hell. Um, well, even the boring as hell ones have been taken, right? I mean, yeah, usually, um, my goodness, <laughs> well, you know, and I think that's part of, you know, what the, the rise of what we're calling the, the blank and blank, um, comes from, right. All these restaurants, um, that's just like two words separated by an ampersand, right. Clove and hoof lime and sage, you know, I, like yep. anything like that. Um, and you know, I think that's just because, uh, you know, you can sort of put two words that are in the general vicinity of what you're working on. And it sort of feels, uh, you know, a bit old timey and tried mm-hmm. and true and honest. Um, but you know, as with any trend, <laughs> it's going to feel more of that trend than it's going to feel specific to what you're doing. Um, you're just going to be another, right. another one of those companies that does that. Um, and people are going to have a very hard time separating you from, you know, the other blank and blanks in your area. Yeah. Much like the name of my blog and podcast grits and grids. <laughs> you can't imagine the embarrassment when the blank and blank trend really started to hit. I'm like, well, here I am mired in my own mistake. Um, (laughs) That's the problem. That's the problem. You know, back to like names being a living thing. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times when, you know, we, we deal with situations where like an incumbent name is like a, um, an acronym or something. Um, Mm -hmm. of course you have to worry about like who else is currently using that acronym. Um, but then also know that, you know, in, in science and medicine and military, like acronyms are being in, in law, they're being created like every day. Um, and so, you know, the likelihood that your acronym gets used by someone else for something else that could, you know, either relate to what you do, which isn't great because that causes confusion or be, you know, completely dissonant or awful, like be the name of some, you know, uh, some like weapon or something, um, right. you know, you run that risk always. Um, and then, you know, your, your, uh, your real estate is you know, now competitive and has neighbors that you don't want to live next to. Yeah. Well, what's really funny is if, if the blank and blank stays on trend and it really is because of, you know, names starting to be depleted or whatever, then I think in the next 20 years, law firm names might actually be relevant and on trend. (laughs) So, so Smith, Frankel, Martin, Altman, and Goldstein, will actually be a really good name for a hip new restaurant in Chicago. Yeah, sounds sounds lovely. I would love to eat that. <laughs> I, I think they make a great steak. I, I'm just saying. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so why don't you tell us, if you have one, tell us about the one that got away, the name that you like. You thought was going to be best for the client. Um, you thought it was a game changer. You thought it met all the marks, and they were just like, no, Eli, no way in hell. Well, tell, tell us about that one. I mean, I think the real problem is it's not like the one that got away. It's that that happens all the time. Um, it's constant heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've sort of insulated myself from it. I, I mean, we, you know, we try to be as vocal as we possibly can. We're not one of these people who just got like teams who put stuff on the table and just say, hey, you know, like pick whatever you like. We, you know, we very firmly 
um, recommend and say, hey, this is why we think these names are the strongest. Um, here's how they help position you for the future. And we do everything we can to like help them see how they can come to life. Um, but, you know, it, it's not my company. So uh, it's not my decision in the end. Um, right. And so uh, I, you know, I, I am remain detached to a degree um, while still attempting to fight as hard as I can for what I think are, are the best names. Um, I mean, it's, you know, this is literally, this is like a every week, every month type thing, not a, you know, the, the one time it happened type thing, but, um, that's okay. I mean, you know, we, there's a balance there. We, we want our clients to be happy. We want them to feel really great about the names they end up with. Um, and, we also want them to be a, a solid reflection of our work. I mean, I, you know, I worked at design firms before I started doing this and, you know, I, I know it's very similar in design where you sort of, you know, there's this like logo that you're afraid to present because you don't think it's that great, but you think the client's going to love it. Um, and, you know, over time we've just kind of trained ourselves not to do that. Like we won't put, anything on the table that we wouldn't feel great about if they selected. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. because iterating names and like developing options is not that hard, but, you know, we, we develop tons of options for every product, then, you know, we want to feel very confident about what we put on the table. Um, and, you know, and we do. So then, you know, regardless of which one they pick, we feel pretty good about it. I mean, it might not be our absolute favorite, but if it's, you know, say one of the whatever 10 names that we felt good enough to present in a scenario compared to the 700 we developed, then we probably like it a lot. Right. Yeah. Especially if we made it to the very end. Um, <clears throat> and you've probably been challenged to do so a number of uh, rounds. Um so I gave you a little bit of a nudge of homework. I don't know if you took it seriously or not. Um, you were very adamant that that we should not call this episode, quote unquote, what's in a name. Yeah. And so I thought about it and I, I was like, well, what if we called it, call it whatever the hell you want. Just don't call it late for dinner. But I just don't think that's going to fit in an 800 by 800 square. It's very long. It's very long. But I think in that long length, that that's the magic, right? But <laughs> did you come up with any ideas? Uh, I didn't actually. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't call it what's in a name, but maybe it'll be like sage like advice from Eli Altman or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And and you have a few weeks, so I expect some magic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. 500 words from 100 monkeys. I don't know. Um, <laughs> either way, man, this has been fun. It's been awesome. We're about, you know, 25 minutes, which is the nice sweet spot. So uh, where do people find you and 100 monkeys online? Um, so we're at a hundred monkeys.com spelled out starting with the letter a, um, we're, uh, on Twitter at a hundred monkeys. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Eli Altman, E-L-I-A-L-T-M-A-N. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. This has been great. Um, I can't wait to share it with everyone and, uh, yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Do follow us at Grits Grids. That's Grits Grids with no N in between. 
on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast and the Grits and Grids blog is a passion project of Vigor, a restaurant and beverage branding and marketing firm based in Atlanta. Check us out at www.vigorbranding.com. And of course, we're all over social media. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and be creative.